It wasn't easy at all, but the Giants picked up a big Game 1 win in this series opening uh, road trip and first game in St. Louis. And importantly, Patrick Bailey looking like the real deal, both behind the plate and at the plate, and a couple of Giants veterans appear to be coming out of some funks. You are Locked On Giants, your daily San Francisco Giants podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Giants, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. My name is Ben Kaspic, and on this show, we provide daily episodes Monday through Friday talking about the San Francisco Giants in a way that's data-driven and rational, but also simple, passionate, and accessible to all. I'm a former contributor for the baseball statistics and analysis websites Beyond the Box Score and Rotographs. I've been podcasting about the Giants since 2015, and I'm a lifelong fan. Thank you for making Locked On Giants your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get podcasts, including YouTube, so check us out there if you have not already, and please hit that subscribe button if you're watching on YouTube. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. And something else that's Maybe close to guaranteed. Okay, maybe it's not guaranteed yet, but Patrick Bailey is looking like the real deal, and he put his skills on display in this series opening win in St. Louis last night, both behind the plate and at the plate. Uh, just an incredible throw that he made throwing out a runner. And so we're, we're going to break down some of the defensive numbers that are coming out on Patrick Bailey. Obviously, you know, it was a small uh, sample initially, but we've got some data now to discuss on the defense. And we're talking about like framing and blocking and throwing really from the catcher position and Bailey grading out well in all of those categories. And also at the plate, I mean, my goodness, he had probably the biggest at bat of the game or one of them, certainly in a game that had a lot of big at bats. And later on, we'll get to how some Giants veteran players had had a huge game yesterday. Logan Webb uh, gave up the lead. The Giants had a small lead and, and he gave it up on a couple homers, but the Giants came back and a big part of it was Patrick Bailey working. I think it was an 11 pitch at bat in which he was just grinding, fouling off tough pitches and just finally earned himself a pitch over the middle of the plate and he lined it into the opposite field gap for a double and ended up scoring the go-ahead run and so yeah I mean looking like the real deal and you know we discussed yesterday how Joey Bart had been activated from the injured list and then optioned and that is no small deal it means that the that Patrick Bailey right now and it's not a surprise if you've been listening to this show I've had my I've been a Joey Bart skeptic for a long time I know some of you think I hate Joey Bart or whatever but it's not about that it's about performance and the performance just frankly wasn't very good from Joey Bart and in fact you know sad tidbit but in terms of Fangraphs wins above replacement Patrick Bailey in 18 games has now surpassed Joey Bart's career Fangraphs wins above replacement career 158 games for Bart 
0.9 Fangraphs wins above replacement, 18 games for Bailey, one Fangraph win above replacement. And so war is a number that can go down, like if you struggle. So it's not to say that it's he's surpassed him and will never look back. Bailey could struggle and then it could go in the negative direction. So just to be clear about that. But let's get into a little bit about the defense, starting out with framing, which I think is the most uh, important like quantifiable thing that a catcher does it has more of an impact than blocking I mean throwing is definitely important in this day and age particularly with the you know pitch timer and the limits on pickoffs and all that and we're going to see that Bailey is doing well in all of these categories so in terms of the um, strike rate on borderline pitches is essentially how we measure framing it's like they call it the shadow zone and it's you know, basically, I don't know if this is exactly how it is, but it's like the width of a baseball inside and outside the zone. And it's, you know, judging how often are those pitches when they're taken by the batter called a strike. And the league average in this uh, metric category is 46.6%. So a little less, I mean, almost, uh, you know, it's 3.4 percentage points lower than half the time those pitches, which I like to just call borderline pitches rather than the shadow zone, but a little less than half the time are borderline pitches called strikes, uh, whether they're inside or outside the zone. And for Bailey, he's getting called strikes on so far 50%. Of the pitches, like fi- exactly 50, well, at least rounded to one decimal point, uh, 50%. So 3.7 or 3.4 percentage points above the league average. And that actually ranks him ninth in Major League Baseball out of 61 catchers who qualify. And I don't know exactly how, uh, how they determine who qualifies, but, uh, you know, Bailey has caught 484 pitches in the, you know, shadow zone, the, uh, you know, bo- 484 borderline pitches, and he's gotten strike calls on 50% of them, and it's just well above the major league average. And so moving on to another category that uh, is really important is something called pop time. And, you know, it, it's, it's a, a little bit of a strange name, but basically all it means is just the time from the moment the ball hits the catcher's glove, the pop of the catcher's glove, to the time, I used to think it was the time that it hit the glove at second base when they're on a steal attempt, right? Like, so, yeah, like when you're throwing down to second. But it's not actually the time it hits the second baseman's glove. It's the time that it gets to that area. I'm I'm trying to... Uh, reaches the fielder's projected receiving point at the center of the base. That's what it says. But anyway, uh, Patrick Bailey is, there's only one player really who has a better pop time. And that's JT Real Muto, who's uh, just consistently the best at this. But, you know, maybe by by, you know, a fraction, Sean Murphy and Garrett Stubbs are ahead of Patrick Bailey, but Patrick Bailey's at 1.88 seconds for his average pop time, and the league average is 2.00 seconds. And so, you know, it doesn't sound like much. We're talking about just over a tenth of a second, but it makes a big difference, and it puts him fourth. You know, he's tied, Real Muto's at 1.82 seconds, and then 
three players are tied at 1.88, but I assume if you we add some more decimal places, that's why Bailey is listed as third among pl- all three players who are listed at 1.88. But, you know, fourth best out of, again, about 60, it's 63 catchers who qualify for this right now. And so, okay, so he's a well above average framer so far. He's been a well about, above average thrower in terms of pop time which is both a combination of arm strength and exchange time for a catcher right it's the how quick do you release the ball from the time you catch it to the time you get rid of it and then how strong is your arm and you know he does well in in both he doesn't have the strongest arm the exchange time is i think more impressive but it's a good combination of both he's ninth in exchange time at 0.62 seconds with the slowest being actually Blake Sable as I scroll down at 0.81 seconds and the arm strength for Patrick Bailey is coming in at 20th at 83.2 miles an hour on average and I think Blake Sable probably does decently well in this category Uh, No, he's 34th. So Blake Sable pop time has not been a real strength of his. But, you know, this is a we're trying to talk about Bailey for now. And in terms of catcher blocking, uh, blocks above average is something that is offered here. We're using baseball savant numbers here. And uh, Bailey's at zero blocks above average. So he's been average so far at blocking. And he's had 515 blocking opportunities. And uh zero blocks above average notably Joey Bart this season was at minus three blocks above average and Blake Sable at minus four blocks above average and uh they both had about three to four hundred more opportunities and that matters this is one of those things where you know we'd want all three of them to have the same number of opportunities to really compare but you know it's just worth noting so far Bailey's been an average blocker and a well above average framer and thrower in terms of pop time, like the quickness. And uh, my goodness, the throw that he made yesterday, throwing out uh, Jordan Walker, I think it was, was just perfect. It was absolutely perfect. And it had to be. It was like he threw it right to the glove on the bag, like into Crawford's glove. And as Crawford catches it, he is just simply drops the glove like a couple inches right into the hand of the sliding runner and they got him. And so unbelievable throw from Bailey and just the overall offense has been quite good as well. He's hitting 317. He's got a 349 on base, 550 slugging. Now, a lot of that doesn't look sustainable in terms of, you know, he's got a 436 batting average on balls in play, which is definitely not sustainable. But the kind of process numbers like he's just has quality at bats and unfortunately we'll talk about Schmidt a little bit later on but for Schmidt like there are serious red flags and I think we've seen it all come to fruition with just kind of the wild swinging but that's not what we've seen from Bailey Bailey's been really good basically half as often as Schmidt chasing outside the zone and then making a lot of contact in the strike zone when he swings so nice package here for Bailey and so I'm I'm kind of officially calling him the real deal as you know it's it's a small sample but he's really obviously been impressive and a huge part of the win last night so 
Coming up in just a minute, we're going to talk about more from this game, including just a couple of veterans having key contributions, veterans who maybe have been written off by some, including, you know, not necessarily me, but someone who I've criticized uh, coming around and just playing much better as of late. So we'll get into that in just a minute. But before we do, this episode is brought to you by game time. Buying tickets to your favorite event shouldn't have to be so darn stressful. And for me, using other websites in the past, it's always been a stressful event buying tickets to Giants games and and especially places I've never been before. If I can't get an image of the seat view and I don't know what the pricing is generally like there, I'm feeling like, am I getting the best price? What is it really going to look like from the seat? And with game time, all of that is solved because they've got images of seat views and the lowest price guarantee, which means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. So it's just an absolute no brainer. You can buy those tickets with peace of mind. Snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Just download the game time app, create an account and use code Locked on MLB for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code Locked on MLB for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, here we go. We are going to discuss the drama of last night's game and how a couple of veteran players had big days and maybe just maybe are turning it around and also just my goodness the drama the Camilo Duvall and the bullpen and Goldschmidt and all that thanks again for making Lockdown Giants your first listen every day every dayers tomorrow on the show we're going to be doing the same thing breaking down another big matchup here as the Giants look to finally like push past that I mean they're past it now two games over 500 trying to beat this Cardinals team while they're down. It's a, it's a good team like on paper and yet they're just really, really struggling. And so, you know, Alex Cobb, you know, has a good chance against Jack Flaherty, I would say. And so hopefully more of the same good vibes tomorrow. Uh, and by the way, the Giants play the Cardinals tonight at 445 Pacific, and you can catch every pitch of the Giants hometown broadcast on Sirius XM with the SXM app search giants. And so, these veterans who had a key part in last night's win were specifically, I want to discuss Mitch Hanniger and Brandon Crawford. So Brandon Crawford is somebody uh, who just not long ago, it seemed like when Casey Schmidt got called up and was performing so well, it did kind of appear that Crawford, basically Crawford was out of the job for a little while there. And so, you know, that was obviously a huge story. And uh, what's transpired over the last week or so is that Crawford has had some huge hits, basically. And like in the Colorado series, think about that ninth inning double that he hit in the finale in the ninth inning. I think I already said ninth inning, but uh, he's just had better at bats lately. And the defense, you know, he's, it's certainly not been perfect this year, but with Casey Schmidt struggling and Schmidt is down to, you know, the batting average is all right. It's above average at 277, but basically besides that, it's 287 on base. It's it's rare you see a guy with a walk rate of less than 1%. That's what we're looking at. Casey Schmidt has come to the plate 115 times and he's walked once. And 
more importantly than that, you know, he's chasing 51% of the time. Like if a pitch is out of the strike zone, he is literally swinging at it more than half the time. And he's made, you know, a lot of contact, but lately the contact hasn't been great contact. So I'm not like, it's not like I'm, I've given up on Casey Schmidt, but his struggles have certainly opened the door back up for Brandon Crawford, who was in there last night against a left-handed starting pitcher. Casey Schmidt was also in there at third, I believe. Yeah, and J.D. Davis DHing, And so, just noteworthy. And so, you know, Crawford, his final line, I, I'm going to pull it up here. He, he went batting ninth, two for four. And drove in a big run with just kind of a seeing eye single. He hit it to the left side. There was nobody there. They were shading him kind of up the middle as much as they can with the shift restrictions. But just uh, kudos to him for kind of bouncing back. And he's been a big part of this team lately. Uh, and another guy who was criticized and and kind of scrutinized has been Mitch Hanniger, who even with the game he had, he had yesterday with, in which he was two for five. I mean, the two hits were both money hits. One was, I think, a two out. Actually, both were two out hits that drove in runs. And this is a four to three game. And so both of those hits were enormous. And the second one was a 0-2 count with two outs. And he hits a, a ground ball up the first base line to score, I think it was the tying run in the seventh inning. And so two enormous moments and hits for Mitch Hanniger, a guy who's, I don't know how negative people have become on Hanniger or if there's generally a sense of patience, but certainly, you know, I'm sure he's being critical on himself after 158 plate appearances. I mean, he's only played in 39 games, but Overall, even with those two hits last night, just hitting 231, 278 on base and 374 slugging, it's about 22% below average offense. And by the way, Brandon Crawford, too. The numbers don't look good. 202 average, 283 on base, 355 slugging. So neither of their numbers on the season look good, but lately they've, I mean, Hanniger last night was, he, he like got hot for a minute and then he cooled off. And then uh, last night was kind of just a, a grinding big game for Mitch Hanniger. And so hopefully it propels him forward and he can just kind of take off because he's got a long track record. And so I just love to see those two players who have had their struggles this season have a big game. And when it absolutely mattered, every single run mattered because the Giants won this game four to three. And yeah, I mean, the drama we could talk about. <laughs> Uh, Tyler Rogers and Camilo Duvall just in the eighth and ninth combining to make things interesting. It got dicey in the eighth and Camilo Duvall got out of it. I think it was a bases loaded situation. I think he walked a batter to create a bases loaded situation and he got a fly out to center. And then in the ninth, he ends up, you know, he didn't have his best command and he didn't strike anybody out and he gave up a hit. It was a freak hit that hit like the lip of the grass and just shot straight up in the air. It should have been a routine ground out. So things were looking a little weird there in the ninth. And then it's first and second, two outs. Up comes Paul Goldschmidt with the tying run on second and the winning run on first. And as a Giants fan, that is not a situation you like to see. But Duvall 
threw a 100-mile-an-hour sinker in on the hands of Goldschmidt on the edge of the inside corner, and Goldschmidt got jammed and hit a ground ball right back to Duvall. And he very nonchalantly, I love the nickname that I think Dave Fleming or Sean Estes, one of the two or both of them, kind of came up with on the fly the other day, Tranquilo Camilo. Uh, it's a great nickname and that is he just like normally pitchers in that situation they'll field the ground ball and then they'll run towards first and then underhand flip it to first but Camilo he didn't even move he just stayed on the mound and just casually nonchalantly kind of sidearm slung it over to first base for the final out of the game so great win for the Giants and much needed and you know, great signs with with the struggling veterans coming through and Patrick Bailey looking like, you know, the guy maybe that a lot of people hoped Joey Bart would be. It is a small sample. Like I said, we're talking about 18 games, but that's where we are with that. Anyway, that is all the time we have for today. Thanks again for making Lockdown Giants your first listen every day. Every day is tomorrow on the show. Breaking down this big game two. Can the Giants improve to 35 and 32? Kind of gain some separation from that 500 mark, or are they going to keep kind of hovering around it? It's a big uh, inflection point of the season, and the Giants currently hold on to a tie for the final wildcard spot and so you want to be one of these teams that pulls away from the pack uh, like some teams have the D-backs have they're in first place by four games over the Dodgers and so that that's a whole situation we discussed yesterday as well but every game it feels big to me right now and so we'll be breaking it down tomorrow uh, the Giants play the Cardinals tonight at 445 Pacific Alex Cobb on the mound gives the Giants a good chance to win and you can catch every pitch of the Giants' hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app, Search Giants. Once again, my name is Ben Kaspik. Check me out on Twitter at Ben Kaspik, K-A-S-P-I-C-K. If you like this show, please consider rating it or leaving a review. It helps me out a lot. So thank you in advance and thanks to everyone who's done so already. I cannot wait to be with you again tomorrow. Thanks again for listening. You are now Locked on Giants.